Every marriage has rocky moments, sometimes for a few days, sometimes for a few months, or even years. It is truly a challenge to maintain a healthy, intimate relationship in marriage. We've seen in past episodes that it's worth the effort, though. Married people are, on average, healthier, happier, and financially better off than those not married. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an informative episode for you this week. This is episode number 247, and today we're going to be talking about why people seek marriage counseling and what are the common approaches to marriage counseling. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, if you did miss last week, we discussed how shame perpetuates porn addiction. Do go back and check that out, especially if that's a current issue for you or for someone that you know and love. And do make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Okay, Caleb, let's talk about a couple more of our sessions for our 2020 cruise coming up. Yep. So we've covered sessions one through six in the last few podcasts. If you've missed that, go back and check those out. Session seven, Caleb. Session seven, yeah. So two more sessions, seven and eight. Seven's one of my favorite on the cruise, but it's really popular with the couples that come. Really well received with them. We do an exercise where each spouse maps out all of the important people and things in their life that they have responsibility toward or that have an impact on them. And first of all, they kind of do like their current reality. And then what most people find is they, you know, they have all these responsibilities and commitments, but they aren't really the ones that they want to have, or they're not in the order that, Mm, or the priority they want them to have. And the exercise lets you really kind of assess your current reality and then where you would like to go. And you make an action plan with your spouse to restore balance to your life once you get off the cruise ship so that you begin to live your life together with more purpose, with more support, more collaboration. Mm -hmm. It really just kind of puts everything out in front of you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to do together. Yeah. It makes you see the reality of your life. Like, why do I get tired? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or stressed or, yeah. And who sometimes, right, is, you know, a part of that. Yeah. And then the eighth session is an exercise called the vision table. So where the, the previous one was done by each spouse individually, but shared with one another. This one is done collaboratively. Like you both work on the same sheet of paper mm-hmm. and you kind of take all that you've learned on the careers about yourselves, about your, your marriage, your relationship with your new improved communication tools. You sit down and you plan out the legacy that you want to create as a couple. Mm-hmm. And that is also just a real lovely exercise to produce hope and to produce vision and some very practical strategic direction for you to move forward as a couple. Like if you, you know, this is the kind of thing you never get to do unless you come on a cruise event like this. Right. right? Yeah. So it's a really neat thing to do to, to keep your life or set your life in a certain direction with focus. Yes. So we hope you can join us on our 2020 cruise leaving February 15th from Fort Lauderdale, yep. Florida. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it's a great week we have planned. Indeed. So let's come uh, to our topics here today. As always, we offer sound research-based advice and we offer you hope. So let's get into the topic of marriage counseling, what makes it work well. Okay. One commonly observed thing that we see that researchers see that probably many people know is that women, wives generally see the problem first. 
Okay. When there's a marriage problem. Yeah. And in a 2016 study, female participants reported being the first ones to perceive a problem and to suggest seeking professional help. And, you know, we see the same thing in our practice. Often women are reaching out. Not always. There's still a lot of men that reach out too. But even on our website statistics, over over two thirds of the visits come from women even to our website. So really kind of, and sure enough in our culture, you know, women are socialized to manage relationships, right? Yeah. Couples in distress who come there, they're looking for marriage counseling. They've often fallen into some patterns of blame, uh, some withdrawal, sometimes aggression or just conflict, I guess we could Mm -hmm. call it. They Mm -hmm. feel a sense of distress in their marriage, right? It just, it feels bad. It's tough. And husbands in particular, they report feeling a sense of failure. And they have a fear of judgment when they're thinking about couples counseling. So if you're wondering why your husband is reluctant to come counseling with you, mm. he probably has this going on for him too, right? A sense and of failure. Yep. Oh, okay. And I think that's why women are more likely to reach out. And and also the other thing with marriage counseling is quite often it can be harder for couples to get started because you need two people to agree to counsel rather than just one person looking for individual counseling uh, for something like, say, depression or that kind right, of thing. Right. So there is that challenge as well, for sure. And so I thought it'd be good just to talk about some of the barriers to marriage counseling, not because we want to make it sound like it's hard for you to get this, but uh, just to know what's kind of common and normal, just normalize that normalize experience it. and yeah. maybe some ideas to help too. Okay. So in another study actually from a couple of years ago, so pretty recent, um, they found that over 70% of couples who separated without seeking professional help they reported that their spouse was unwilling to go to counseling with them or that it was too late for counseling to help. Now, just remember Mm. that's a self-reported outcome, right? That's how they see it. It was their opinion that it was too late for counseling. Some some people don't go to counseling because they believe their relationship problems should be kept private. Others think that only spiritual leaders should be involved. Mm -hmm. Going back to that first one, Kayla, about 70% separated without seeking professional help, Like, I guess I don't really understand that. Like, Why break up your whole life because you're not willing to get help. Well, because... Like relationship breakups are a huge thing. True. They are a huge thing. And, you know, from our chair being in the marriage business, it makes sense to get help. Yeah. But if you, you know, even when couples do come to us, even as therapists, we still say they're the experts on their relationship. They know each other the best. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so one or both of them hit the point where they really feel like it's beyond recovery. Right? That's their belief about where they're mm. at. Like... They don't okay. want to try or they've tried so much that they're burnt out or that kind of thing is going on. Okay. And so then there's no point in getting help if you've already checked out. Is that what you're saying? Well, if you've already checked out, yeah, unless you kind of hold a little bit of something like we would only sort of really feel hopeless ourselves for the couple if there's zero fondness and admiration in the marriage. Okay. You know, that's a couple that's really kind of fried and done with each other. Okay. Right. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, you don't throw your car out if it stops working. Why would you do that with your marriage? Mm-hmm. It's going to be more expensive to do it with your marriage. Yeah, for sure. Than a car. Yeah. So we do. We just kind of throw that out there for something definitely to, to think about. Okay. One important theme that came from this study is that blaming others rather than taking responsibility was a significant theme across each of the cases. And that mm. blaming pattern, it really appears to be an important factor in the options that were considered. So if blaming okay. is really prominent, like, you know, you get kind of the point where you're so frustrated, you're just, you see all the problems in the other person. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, as I often tell folks, you know, that's a very disempowered position to work from because as long as it's your spouse's fault, you can't do anything to change the situation. Mm, but if yes, you're willing to yes. accept some responsibility, all of a sudden you have some leverage. You have something right. you can influence. Because the only person you can change is yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But it's really easy to see the struggles as your spouse's fault and press them to change, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And another thing that we help people do in couples counseling is to reframe this view of, you know, the other person is the problem away from that towards actually the dynamic between us is the problem. So let's both take a step back and look at the dynamic that we have, Mm. that we've developed together. It's not working. Neither of us like it. We end up blaming each other. The blame is part of the dynamic. Right. It's not you. Yes. It's this happening to both of us. It reduces the amount of blame being cast around in the marriage. and And like I said before, it empowers both people to help change the dynamic, right? Okay. Now, there's some other interesting stats we can pick out from a few studies. Uh, It seems if you've done something for your marriage previously, such as a retreat or a workshop or read a marriage book together or done premarital counseling, those kinds of things make you more likely to seek counseling when you run into marriage difficulties. Really? Well, you already have the idea that marriage is something that can be helped. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that's coming and drawing from a couple of different studies. And one thing that I do want to note too, is it's helpful to get into marriage counseling sooner rather than later. We're going to look mm-hmm. at some different approaches after the break, but generally couples wait until the distress levels are seen as beyond repair. They're perceived to be beyond repair. And to mm-hmm. us, that's a not an impossible situation, but it's a more difficult place to recover from. Yeah. On average, married couples wait six years after serious interpersonal problems between them before they seek counseling. Wow. Yeah, that's from a study in 2016. So, so I mean, there's a fair bit of water under the bridge and and that's okay. We can yeah. still help you through that. It's going to take more work. Yeah. So, if if someone's experiencing conflict, things like that, you know, they've only been married a couple years, whatever, it's better at that point like, yeah. no, let's stop, let's get help, let's get out of this cycle. Yeah. Rather than wait until it perpetuates yeah. till they can't live with it anymore. Yeah. Sometimes you get people coming to us and they've been like annoyed with each other for four months. Like they're just at each other all the time and it's, and they're often in and out pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we created a bonus download for our much appreciated supporters here on this topic. It's available on our Patreon page. It includes two things. One is a self-assessment of your relationship satisfaction. That'll help you identify where in your marriage you feel the greatest distress. And the second part of the exercise helps with reducing negative thinking around conflict areas. And the goal here is not to see this two-page document as a marriage fix, but rather to create some mental room or some headspace so you can begin to think creatively about what your marriage needs in order to, to recover from your current distress. Okay. So it's a great resource for that. You can yeah. get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible, and to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about barriers to marriage counseling. It's good to know that on average, couples therapy positively impacts 70% of the people who attend it. So that's a pretty good return rate. Yeah. Well, over two thirds. Yeah. And I don't, you know, there is that other 30%. And I I don't know for sure what happens there is I kind of wish I did, right? Oh, yeah. 
you know, maybe one person has already decided they're done and they're just kind of going along to humor their spouse or make it look like they put an effort in, right? Right, But right. it could be, and we hear this quite a bit through our website, is not all therapists are qualified to help couples, mm-hmm. despite the fact that most are willing to try. Okay. And so there's a very recent study by the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, the AAMFT. Then those are really, that's the granddaddy of marriage counseling regulatory bodies in the USA. Okay. Okay. And they concluded that although 80% of therapists who engage in private practice use tailored marriage counseling methods for couples, so they're really kind of trying to work with couples specifically, many of those same therapists have never had any formal training in marriage counseling methods or in marriage therapy. Really? Yeah. So they, you know. So they offer the service, but they don't actually have training in it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. To me, that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like. It's um, like an aircraft mechanic. Fixing your car. Oh, I was thinking like. You mean or. Fixing like a Boeing when all they've been trained on is a Cessna or something yeah, like that. Sure. Yeah. But like they, you know, it's there kind of the concepts and yeah, stuff, yeah. but, uh, you know, the real sort of fluid, confident, hmm. skilled approaches okay. you know, may not be right. Not so to that's say, not to say that's not going to work, not going to help. You no, know, there's people that have been helped through these things, right? Yeah, for sure. But it's just something to consider. All the couple therapists in our practice have specific formal training in couples work. And we do have therapists who do not have that training, but they only do one on work on other issues. One related. on one? Like um, they work with an individual client. Okay. So we're really kind of focused on providing therapy based on modalities on research that's proven to have the highest success rates with couples. And yeah. so I think, you know, you should put your, your marriage in the hands of, of people that have that kind of expertise, right? Okay. So what are some of these approaches to marriage counseling? Okay. Good question. So let's, we're going to look at six different approaches, just real quick summary here. Okay. Um, And then we're going to finish up by looking at the possibility of even doing individual counseling for the benefit of the marriage. We get a lot of people writing in about that. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's an interesting one. Yeah. So the first one is, I'm just going to call behavior modification. It looks very simply at behaviors. And the purpose here is to ensure that any harmful behaviors, physical or emotional behaviors or financial behaviors, that they're modified so that there's a reduction in harm. Right. So that has its place. Often there's a lot of unhelpful behavior going on, especially in conflict. And most people that come, they're aware of that. They're aware that get their ugly on, but they're kind of feeling stuck in it. Like they don't know what else to do. Okay. And it follows a you know solution-focused therapy model, which is a pretty well-established model where where couples are taught to focus on solutions instead of problems. The bulk mm-hmm. of the initial sessions are focused on actions rather than feelings. I don't have data on the effectiveness of this approach. Oh, okay. um, I've seen parts of it and I'm sure it can be helpful. Okay. Uh, the next approach is called insight-oriented therapy. And this is really on focusing on changing how each spouse views their relationship to each other. It's kind of like the idea of taking a step back and looking more objectively at things, just more mm, bigger picture. Okay. And, not and hopefully taking with stuff that, so personally, maybe. Yeah. A shift. Yeah. I don't know a terrible lot about that. It's not super popular. There's communication coaching as well. And the goal of that approach is to teach you how to listen more actively, to employ more empathy. That's very, very useful stuff. It could reduce the conflict for sure. If you're actually listening and... Yeah. Um, like I almost think it should be a prerequisite to marriage, right? <laughs> but it, it might not get the deeper underlying dynamics, right? So okay. in my work, I tend to reserve this kind of stuff more for teaching context. Like even on some of our cruise content goes over right. this. Yeah. It's really useful, but I think it's insufficient for very distressed couples. And that's why we offer the cruise event to couples who are doing relatively well. And we offer therapy to people that are really struggling. Okay. 
Yeah. Next is up is the Gottman method. And I think we recently talked about this related to what he calls the four horsemen. Yeah, we yes, did. Yes, yeah. But they also have a lot of great interventions that they've developed in response to a very extensive research and observation into couples in conflict. And the Gottman approach focuses on using techniques to increase affection and closeness and respect. It stresses conflict management and repair. It helps the couples really get to know each other when they've drifted apart. Okay. And I don't have stats on me here, but this is an empirically validated approach to marriage counseling. Like it's proven to have an effect, a beneficial effect mm, on marriages. So I okay. would recommend it. Some of our therapists use it in our agency. Oh. For sure. Okay. Uh, and then next is narrative therapy, which is really about articulating your problems in narrative form, almost like a sort of a story. Uh, the goal then becomes to rewrite the negative parts of the story. It helps people find new ways of dealing with their problems, new ways of mm. narrating their relationship. Yeah. That, you know, really works with some folks. It, it doesn't kind of resonate with the way my brain fires. So... I believe it's a relatively common approach to therapy, but I don't know that it's actually been proven to help couples. I'm sure it helps some, but for me, I tend to want to go more with what I know works. Okay. And that brings me to emotionally focused couples therapy. It's the predominant approach that we use in, in our practice. We look at how each person engages with the other, and then we work to expand their emotional responses. Meaning like, so you just, you get angry and that happens. Well, let's kind of go down a few layers and see what's going on underneath oh, okay. that. And what are those emotions? And let's talk about that, the deeper stuff that maybe you're never getting to. That's what we mean by expanding the emotional response. Because okay. there's yeah. always more going on. And when that happens, it creates new kinds of interactions between the spouses and it nurtures the bonding between them because they get to see that softer stuff that they don't normally get to see because mm, it's hidden by... Yeah. Yeah. Works great with couples who maybe haven't got used to sharing their private feelings very well. Okay. And often they find themselves in an emotionally distant relationship in which they've grown apart. It also works well with high conflict couples who have a very clear pattern that we call where pursue, withdraw, where mm -hmm. one spouse is pursuing, the other is withdrawing. Mm -hmm. And it's also relatively short term, meaning that couples therapy in this approach, it doesn't go on and on and on. And uh, really what we're helping couples do here is to understand and reorganize their, their key emotional responses to each other. Meaning you get to see, I'm trying to put that in English here, but you, <laughs> yeah. you get to see the deeper issues that are going on, like I was talking about, and speak to those softer emotions with more compassion and care, instead of just flailing about on the surface emotions that don't make mm -hmm. sense to you. And then reacting yes. to all those. Okay. And then we look to strengthen and build a very tight bond between the two. Yeah. And we want to change each person's stance during the interactions, especially about difficult issues so that they can experience new, beneficial, constructive interactions with each other. So mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, they really become allies instead of opposing one another. Yep. Okay. And this approach has been found to move 70 to 75% of troubled relationships into a state of recovery. And over 90% of couples who go through this experience significant improvement using this therapy. Wow. That was reported in a study by Weeb and Johnson 2017. So it continues to prove itself out that it's it's pretty good. Right. Really good, yeah. actually. Yeah. So then going back to the question that we get asked sometimes, like what about individual counseling? Like if I come by myself, is it going to help my marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So notwithstanding the issue of, you know, I'm coming for counseling so that, you know, can you can tell me him. how to change him. <laughs> <laughs> right? It is recommended when one spouse is unwilling to undergo therapy, or it could also be recommended often as a precursor to couples therapy. If both are not able to seek help with methods of communication, like if they're not both willing to come, yeah. then you know you can't do couples counseling. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So often we'll go to individual therapy to start with if there's trauma in the way, as one example. So a common example of this, this scenario does not play out for all people who have this kind of trauma, but say one spouse has experienced childhood sexual abuse, say they've been married several years, and the other spouse is 
very hurt and feeling rejected by the lack of sexual intimacy in the marriage. It's not the, okay. it's not always the cause of a lack of sexual intimacy, but this other spouse is personally offended. They're angry. And the spouse with the unresolved trauma from the childhood sexual abuse is feeling like they're not understood and they're not able mm. to overcome all of the fear and anxiety that's now associated with sexual intimacy mm-hmm. for them. Right. Okay. In that case, it helps to do one-on-one counseling to overcome the trauma to, to heal right. from that. Right. Okay. So, Keep in mind that, that marriage is often a way that we discover the parts of ourselves that are broken and haven't been healed yet. Okay. So there's a productive aspect to that, but it can be challenging. Right. So this isn't marriage counseling. Like this is for the individual rather than for the marriage, but the marriage will receive the benefit of this individual yes. going for counseling. Yeah, I would say it's for the individual. Yeah. But not done with the couple. It could still be for the marriage. Yeah. In a sense, right? Yeah. And so it's an example of where taking time to work through that trauma can help you feel that you can approach something like sexual intimacy more on even ground with your spouse, right? If if you're the person working through the trauma. Yeah. And the purpose of the marriage counseling afterwards then would be to help your spouse shift their emotional response to see past uh, kind of those initial feelings of or surface, not I don't want to say first surface in the sense of being cheap, but to kind of get over the default response of feeling rejected and to see more from a place of compassion and to figure out how to you know, really contribute to making the marriage a safe place to explore how you engage in sexual intimacy now in a way that develops your own married story of closeness and connection and play and curiosity and all those good things, mm-hmm. apart from the damage that was done during childhood or the wounding. Okay. Okay. Right? So that's just one example. There's plenty of other reasons why we might start with individual counseling. And to be fair, a lot of marriage counseling will only have, we will only have couple sessions or even just one session with each spouse individually. And then we'll just go straight to couples work all the way right. through. So okay. sometimes, if, you know, if you're not sure what to do, just start with a therapist who is trained in working with couples and they'll mm-hmm. let you know, you know, okay, I see these things are coming up. I think we should separate for a bit and go to individual counseling and here's why. And uh, you can kind of plan okay. that through them yeah. with them, right? Yeah. So that you can get to your goals. So I'm hoping that by going through all this, it helps reduce some of the mystery of marriage counseling. And if you're having some struggles or challenges, it makes it seem more approachable. We'd love to help you. If you're looking for help in this area, the best way to get started with us is to schedule a free consultation via our website. One of our team members will get the basics of your story so they can match you up with the therapist who they feel would be the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. And something that works for your schedule and that kind of thing as well. Yeah. So that's all for today, I guess, babe. Yeah. And so we want to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We have Amy and Alan and Matthew. And to every one of our supporters, we just want to say a big thank you. Yes, indeed. Next week, Caleb. Uh, We're talking about sex addiction and asking the question, is my spouse a sex addict? I think we had an episode a while ago on, am I a sex addict? And it's kind of a different approach. Okay. Okay. Uh, So, you know, a little tougher content to gain. Uh, But this is a real thing. And, uh, you know, some people suggest that as much as 10% of the population is sex addicted. So it's surprisingly common. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and there's hope for people in this situation to, to uh, heal and uh, restore their marriage. Good. Okay. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 247. Find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. 
A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.